look at the Canadian if it's a branded so game. I mean, this you could buy be- Blackberry and Pabst. The Green Rush is real. From lawmakers and investment bankers to CEOs and investors, we'll look at how people are transforming cannabis from the shadows of the black market into a cash crop that draws in cannapreneurs from Hollywood to Wall Street. Here to help you navigate the business of cannabis, please welcome Lewis Goldberg and Ann Donahoe. Brought to you by KCSA Strategic Communication. Welcome to the Green Rush. Today is March 23rd, and we are, coincidentally, recording our 23rd episode. I'm Lewis Goldberg, and joined, as always, by the hostess with the mostess, Ann Donahoe. Um, Today, we'll be speaking with Ben Kovler, chairman and founder of Green Thumb Industries. Last week, Ann and I attended the Roth Investment Bank Conference in California. Roth is one of the few U.S.-based investment banks working actually in the cannabis space. They were one of the lead bankers on the MedRelief IPO in Canada, and they are continuing to work on other deals. Um, at the conference, we saw a really fascinating panel with participants from MedMen, Acreage Holdings, which happens to be our client, and our interview today with Ben Kovler from Green Thumb. The panel was a fascinating debate on the role of brand in the the cannabis space and also on politics. And there was this real tension in the room between what is the value of a product brand versus what is the value of a retail brand. Um, And Ben was really powerful in in this conversation. But for us, one of the most interesting things was that the room of this panel was held that, that could hold about 200 people and it was standing room only. Every seat was taken and I was forced to stand for the entire panel and I think Anne you were as well. Um, now there are a growing number of multi-state operators in the United States and over the course of the next few months we're going to do our best to talk with most of them. Um, recently we spoke with Chris Crane from Forefront Ventures and there'll be a link to that episode in our show notes um, and today as I said we're talking with Green Thumb Industries. Ben founded Green Thumb in 2014 and has successfully grown it into a truly national cannabis cultivation and dispensary operator with 26 licenses across five highly regulated U.S. markets, including Illinois, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, and Maryland. The company is vertically integrated, meaning it grows the plant, it processes the plant, and dispenses it. Um, Ben's background is both spot on and also a bit of a head scratcher for the cannabis space. His family comes from a long line of sin. Just kidding. Um, his family was one of the the, the lead investors and, and proprietors of Jim Beam. So if you like bourbon, you're going to like Ben. Um, he also, more importantly, ran his family office, and that is uh, a private investment company literally focused on one family's holdings. Ben's journey to becoming a canapreneur is a truly interesting one that we think you are really going to enjoy. Ben, welcome to the Green Rush. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having us. It was a real pleasure meeting you a couple of weeks ago out in California, um, and and Ann and I saw you on a panel at the Roth Investment Conference, and, and we, th- we thought what you were saying was really fascinating. Um, but before we get into a lot of that, can you give us a quick overview on what is Green Thumb? Uh, yeah, thank you, Lewis. Thank you, Ann, for having me. I uh, appreciate it. It was great meeting you down in California. Um, Green Thumb Industries, or GTI, really is a consumer packaged goods business. Um, The fact is we're packaging cannabis products that we're growing, processing, um, and putting into packages across many states around the country. And and uniquely uh, involved in cannabis is we are in states where there's limited licenses. 
And so we're playing in places where there's a restricted amount of people that have the ability to produce the product or dispense the product. Uh, at the core, GTI is a branded consumer packaged goods business, and we're distributing those brands around the country through a national retail chain called Rise Dispensaries. Um, and those Rise Dispensaries, there's currently eight of them open now, and there'll be 20 soon. Um, and at the core, we're driving those brands through a national footprint. And what states are, are the Rise Dispensaries in? Currently, we're operational in Nevada, Illinois, and Maryland, and coming soon is Pennsylvania and Massachusetts. And we see several other states on the pipeline uh, as the calendar unrolls here. Very cool. So let's go back. You come from a pretty traditional finance background, and you still you still act as the chief investment officer for CovePAC. Am I getting that right? Yep. Um, can you talk a little bit about your journey from finance to cannabis? Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to. Uh, my journey probably starts when I went to college in California uh, in 1996, and I actually voted for Prop 215, uh, the first medical cannabis uh, initiative in the country. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. It was fun to watch. It was fun to be part of back then. I learned about uh, ballot initiatives and learned about uh, California. Uh, I, I went on to do finance and private equity in San Francisco in the consumer packaged goods space, uh, food and beverage particularly. I left that to actually teach school. I spent three years teaching math. I wrote a puzzle book of brain teasers. Um, I really like problems. Were you solving. sober when you did that? I was very sober. I actually wrote it uh, with my grandfather. These are puzzles oh, and brain cool. teasers. The book is called Fundrum My Conundrum. Uh, and it's a great problem solving exercise that uh, really went over well in the classroom uh, with eighth graders and high school kids uh, in the family. So during that time, I started doing investing, having grown up uh, in an investment household and investment background, uh, studying people like Warren Buffett, doing deals. Uh, I started doing fundless sponsor deals and operating companies. I moved back to Chicago uh, on one of those business deals. Uh, along the way, I looked at a cannabis operation in 2010 in Denver. Uh, I learned early that the people you invest with are probably one of the most important uh, attributes or characteristics of an investment. Uh, it's one of, the, one of the chief things that can lead to this uh, high sleep quotient, which means a comfortable night's sleep with the people you're invested with. <laughs> I've uh, never heard that before. I like that. Uh, yeah, comfort index. Uh, that's probably the chief investment principle I use is how comfortable you are. And one of the chief ways you can tell how comfortable you are is how well you sleep. If right. you have a restless night's sleep, you got a problem probably, maybe. Um, anyway, uh, looking at businesses – we saw and I read uh, Governor Quinn signed a law in 2013 for the medical cannabis pilot program. And I read the law one day and it looked a lot to me like the gaming industry where there were limited licenses for a lot of demand. And that set up as a nice business opportunity. And so I dove in in a diligence project to study as much as I could about the industry, traveled to Denver uh, and decided that the business made sense uh, to invest in. Um, and then along the way, I've learned a ton about the product and the people and other things that we may talk about that, that have really generated a, a lot of momentum and things. But that's sort of my background of a finance lens uh, out in California of seeing the industry and seeing it come to viability um, and diving all the way in. So uh, we're going to stay a little bit more in the past and then we'll get into the, the present and the future. Um, your family business was in Jim Bean. Um, and you, you know, have, have talked about being a student of the alcohol space. And now that you are truly in and a student of the cannabis space, what are the lessons that you can take from what you guys learned from, from marketing bourbon and applying that to cannabis? Yeah. Um, 
you know, one, one of the things I believe in and that, and that we've really stuck to at GTI is that history doesn't repeat, it rhymes. And that we believe at the core, and that what's happening here is Prohibition 2.0. And so how fortunate it is for me to, to have been immersed in something like this, to be able to study it and watch what's happened before. And so we think in many ways we're seeing a, a consumer packaged goods business being born in front of our eyes. We're not having to create the new demand, but, but it's here and it's converting. And so in many ways, the dispensary might be like the liquor store and the categories of beer, wine, hard liquor, mixed drinks might be like flour, vape, tinctures, concentrates, dabs. And, you know, as we see cannabis lounges and, and, and public U.S. cannabis consumption come into play in the U.S., you know, how's that going to impact our lives and, and what's that bar going to look like? Uh, something we're studying. So um, we think that that's an excellent playbook. And uh, we're studying it uh, intensely. And I think one of the key things that we saw that was quite exciting late last year is when Constellation Brands invested, you know, over $200 million in canopy growth up in Canada. Um, so does that mean you're going to get the guys from Jim Beam to put money into you? Oh, well, <laughs> well, it's now owned by Suntory in Japan. And, you know, maybe they could give us a call if they're interested. And we know that many public companies and many people are looking at the space. Obviously, you saw Constellation. Yeah. Uh, but I think pushing the algae just one level further, if I could say, is what you saw is the tobacco companies in the late 60s who, who may have had uh, an inkling that tobacco was bad for your health, feel like they need to diversify their portfolios and say that they bought alcohol companies. And maybe the big one was you saw Philip Morris buy Miller Beer. And our business was sold to a company at the time was called American Tobacco. So Jim Beam was sold then. And I think what you'll see in the next wave in the rhyme of history will be alcohol companies buy cannabis businesses. So you'll certainly need regulatory change and things. But what you're starting to see in the data is a change and a substitution and a consumer um, change of behavior and wallet share away from some alcohol products. And it's certainly by category into some cannabis products. And so the data is starting to speak loud and clear. And I think you'll see public companies and you'll see savvy CEOs and capital allocators start to react to that. And so we're studying that. We're watching that. Um, and so back to your original question, we've seen the movie before and we think uh, we, we like the setup here for cannabis. It's actually a good place to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Green Rush. More Green Rush coming up after we roll through our sponsors. Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC. Symbol MCIG. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping for essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. 
Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Banking and Bud, understanding the business of cannabis. Welcome back to The Green Rush, only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back talking with uh, Ben Culver from GTI. Uh, so we talked earlier that we, Lewis and I had seen you on a panel at the Roth conference out here in California. And there was a lot of talk of the value of brand uh, right now in the cannabis space. And right now it's the wild, wild west. And you seem to have um, a, a very, you seem to have had a very friendly disagreement with your colleague, Adam Bierman of MedMen, um, who is sort of of the opinion that brand doesn't matter as much right now in the cannabis space. Can you talk a little bit about that? Are you finding brand loyalty among your patients? Well, the great question. Brand is certainly a, a major topic in the space. And, and I think firmly, we believe that brand does matter. And I think where in the supply chain uh, it comes it also matters and to sort of what extent and in which market. And so you have to look across the different supply chains and across the different markets to figure out how brand is going to play. But at the core, we firmly believe brand matters. I think that's where you're gonna see the margin. I think you've seen that across different sectors. And frankly, you've seen that across you know, world capitalism. And even if you look at the US versus a place like Canada and what's happening with brands, and you know, it's not a big surprise to anybody where the largest and best and most formidable profitable, durable brands of the world have come from, and that's the U.S. So you know. the, the challenge, though, in the cannabis industry is where you can't ship across state lines, whether it be product or, or anything. Um, how do you build a, a, a national brand when you don't have retail stores in 50 states? You can't have exactly the same um, retail experience. How do you actually build that brand loyalty? Yeah, well, we think that brand loyalty comes in several fashions. First of all, on the wholesale product. So we were one of the first companies to license and take a brand across many state lines where it's a same identical formulation. The analogy we use around the office is the Oreo. We're making the Oreo in several different states, and it needs to look, feel, and taste the same. It and I guarantee you, your patients are very happy about the Oreos. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and we're hearing it from them. And when, frankly, when we're veer off course and make a mistake, which we make lots of mistakes, we hear it from them as well. And they're our best instant feedback. But at the core of the brand matters. So Fiji Water gets major pricing protection around that brand, and we can do the same in cannabis, and we think that's where you invest. And so, but it also extends into your question around the retail brand and how that works across different states. And so it's not just having a good brand and a good look, you need distribution. And so you need to be pouring that booze or pouring that beer in several different bars in order to get that sustainable edge, in order to build that following, and you need to have scale. And so combining all three of those of brand distribution scale, I think is important. I think you've heard, you know, Adam and MedMen talk about it. We're a big fan of MedMen. Uh, we're excited about uh, everything they're up to. And I think that is a strong brand in and of itself in the same way we have several. And I think uh, at the end of the day, in cannabis, particularly in the U.S., you're going to yep. see brands win. And to your question about going across state lines, you know, in there lies the challenge, but in there lies the opportunity. 
So you you've you've built your brand or you built your network in um, uh, highly contested and medical states to start. Do you have plans to go into more open states like Oregon and Nevada where it's adult use and um, and and clearly that it's a it's a much more open field? Uh, yeah, I mean, currently in the five states we're in, two of which uh, are on the adult use path. Nevada is already open and operational okay. since last July. So two of the rise stores are servicing adult use customers and medical customers. Massachusetts uh, is scheduled to go live July 1st, though that schedule is a little bit flexible. And we're positioning the business, the brands, and the consumer promise uh, to deliver in both of those markets. We've been able to be in states where there's limited amount of licenses. And what that's led to is a very favorable position, a favorable market position, both with regulators and patients and consumers in order to deliver on the promise of, of uh operating the business and delivering product to consumers. Do you have people on the ground in the Northeast? Yeah, we have a whole team in Massachusetts. Okay. So let's- A whole team in Maryland, a whole team in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay, great. So uh, also at the Roth conference, um, there was a lot of talk of politics. Uh, Dana Rohrabacher was on a panel. Um, can you talk about the role that politics plays in the business? You know, you talked about coming out to California um, and, and kind of learning the role of ballot initiatives. How much of your time now as an executive is spent talking to regulators or politicians? And, and how do you make your voice heard and amplified amongst that constituency? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, the, the political landscape is always changing. So we're studying, listening, learning. We're working with associations. Uh, my partner, Pete, is very active in several different groups. But at our core is working in the communities in which we operate. We've had an edge going into places where cannabis is often new. And we are working within those communities to hire locals and to work with regulators there uh, in order to educate the base. And so... As we take that from a local level, local communities to the states, working with the state uh, medical associations and adult use associations as they bring in new policies to a national landscape. And as the U.S. brings a national cannabis voice, uh, you'll see GTI as a part of that. Have you so, had politicians? Oh, sorry, Louis. No, no, go ahead. So have you had politicians just kind of say, uh, I'm not ready, I can't talk about this, you know, come see me in a year? Or for the most part, are are they coming around and saying, you know, I, I this is kind of what the public wants. I need to be, get myself on board with it. Um, and I, I need to be talking to people like you who are in the who are in the business and in the community and creating jobs. Yeah, certainly more the, the, the latter than the former. It, it's an education campaign. It's telling people about what is going on here, that this is a legitimate product, that the benefits to society can bring, what the true safety stats are, what the job data is, what the tax revenue is, you know, who is the audience? And really, that's what I mean. This is an education campaign and talking about facts and bringing legitimacy to the industry. And that has an ear. That has an ear to the left wing, the right wing, the moderates, the middle. Mm -hmm. It's about data. It's about facts. Um, and, and that's we can work together as an industry with several different participants in order to, to bring that uh, to life. So we're recording this on uh, March 23rd. And this week, um, there was some interesting news that came out of Illinois um, in terms of the, the, the move towards adult use. Um, I think it was uh, the county that Chicago's in voted in favor. Of use. Can you give us a view on what's going to be what you think is going to happen in the state over the next year or so? Yeah, definitely. I, I'm standing here right now talking to you in Cook County in Chicago, 
uh, where a referendum, non-binding referendum, passed uh, by a margin of greater than two to one in favor of adult use, tax, and regulate. Uh, Illinois is a non-ballot uh, initiative state, so you're not going to see something happen in Illinois like you saw you know, two years ago in several other different states. But it's an important topic right now. People are dying of opioids every day. The state is essentially broke. We have policies that target certain people based on profiles that is creating social injustice in the community here in Chicago. So put all those in the mixing pot and we can see where this is headed. And so where GTI sits is an operator who can bring credibility and can bring operational strength, right? To bring real jobs, real tax revenue, real open opportunity for others to come into the space. And so I think where you'll see Illinois go with a 13 million person uh, state is to a large industry that's not being created out of nothing, but that's moving from black market, unregulated, untaxed, to regulated. Uh, that's going to be better for the consumers because everybody is going to like to drink, you know, frankly, a rum and coke, Captain Morgan, better than moonshine. And essentially, <laughs> we're going to go from marijuana in a baggie to something that is branded, consistent, tested, regulated, and much, much better for them. So let's pivot for a moment. Uh, you mentioned earlier in your life you were uh, an elementary school elementary school teacher, middle school teacher, um, middle school, eighth grade, middle school, right? So I would imagine wrangling kids and getting them focused on the task at hand um, and thinking about more, uh, you know, things in the long term can be a challenge. Do you see any parallels in the can in the cannabis space between the cannabis space and teaching eighth graders? Are there any parallels? <laughs> Uh, it's a great question. I would say at the core, <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, really what you do a lot in eighth grade and in algebra is how to think through problems and how to problem solve. And that is really what the cannabis industry is doing right now, is how to bring this thing into the world of legitimacy, how to properly regulate it, how to bring capital into this, how to bring innovation, how to bring jobs, how to improve lives, how to liberate people out of society that has hurt them. And so we are really problem solving every day. That's why I have a ton of fun. I'm good at that. We put together teams to solve problems and to figure out how to be successful, whether it's in the market or helping patients or how to label a product or how to bring things out into this industry that's brand new. And so in a lot of ways, we had a lot of fun with that in the classroom with eighth graders as we do uh, bringing about a cannabis industry. So that's that I think a is a mature answer. It is. <laughs> it totally is. That's a teacher. Like right there, <laughs> yeah. that's the teacher. It may not have been like your entire career, but that infused in, in who you are. Um, and actually, that's a really good uh, moment for us to take a quick break. You're listening to The Green Rush. Uh, I'm Lewis Goldberg with Ann Donahoe, and we're talking to Ben Kohler from GTI. More Green Rush coming up after we roll through our sponsors. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. 
industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Banking and Bud, understanding the business of cannabis. Welcome back to The Green Rush, only on CannabisRadio.com. And we are back on The Green Rush. We are talking with Ben Kobler from uh, co-founder of Green Thumb Industries. Um, so I want to go a, a slightly different direction. We had mentioned MedMen um, earlier today, and companies like them are, are hurtling towards a public listing. Um, and they are... They, Guys like Adam and others are looking at the valuations for for the publicly listed companies in Canada, like Canopy Growth or Afria or Aurora, and you know they're seeing these billion dollar numbers. And then you look here at companies in the U.S., like some of our clients, like TerraTech and Kush, who have similar um, revenue numbers to the, the the Canadian companies and significantly lower market caps. Can you talk about your plans in terms of a capital market strategy and and how you think you know valuations are right now? Sure. Um, you know we've been successful raising private capital to date. Um, we've done that through, you know, demonstrating a track record, just starting small, delivering on a promise of honesty to investors. We put together a business that's very aligned all the way at the top down to the bottom for investors that were totally aligned and it's built on the people that we have. And so going with that, we've had success raising capital. Uh, I've personally been going up to Canada for over two years, visiting some of these companies, getting to know management teams. We've watched valuations change. We've watched capital flood into the market there. We've watched the quality and sort of the, the source of the capital change. And yeah, you talked about the market capitalizations. Like, so we look at ratios like sales to market cap, and we've watched Canada as leadership change there. And, and in some respects, we look at Canada like a very large U.S. state, right, with 36, 38 million people with a governor called the prime minister. It's a totally separate sovereign nation, obviously, but that has said uh, adult use is coming. They're going to regulate this. How's it going to work? We don't know the dispensaries yet, and each province is different. You know. And with respect, we watch that, and we see what's happened to the market cap go from two, three billion to touching thirty billion. You know, stopping along the way in the mid-teens until Constellation invested, and then watched it double, right? And you've seen it now get quite volatile. And now we've seen those management teams and those businesses do what they've had to do, uh, where they've had to invest capital, and particularly with the U.S. blocked out. And so you mentioned a few of the U.S. companies, and I think it's only a matter of time. Um, we think those are great management teams and good business plans um, before the capital markets open up to U.S. players. And so we've positioned and GTI is in a position to take advantage of that. Um, and I think uh, there is a ton of interest. You guys were in Roth. You saw the interest there. There'll be several other U.S. banks that are able to put on um, investor days and uh, the more we can tell the story, the more we'll start to see the capital come in 
and the more you'll start to see U.S. market capitalization take on a more realistic ratio to U.S. legal sales. So you you know you talked a little bit about your background coming out of finance and and you know being the head of your family office. As you make decisions, financial decisions for GTI, um, where does the discipline that you know your financial background come in versus the opportunism of being an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur's necessary acceptance of risk? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it keeps us disciplined. I'm a large, the largest investor in the business. And so we are running this uh, with, with a heavy discipline towards return on invested capital and towards being around. Um, we've seen a lot of our colleagues, competitors, right, other people uh, burn out and have balance sheets that don't last and put themselves in a position where they're hooked onto the capital markets. Uh, it's difficult in our space. Nobody's banked. And so our financial discipline and my financial background, and whether that's from the University of Chicago or my background or Warren Buffett-esque uh, style here, uh, but that dominates how we invest and how we operate the business. So when you go back and talk to your former colleagues in the financial world, do they see your move uh, into cannabis as you're freaking crazy or, oh, my God, you're brilliant. How can I invest? <laughs> and where can I write the check? <laughs> Both. <laughs> you're doing what? Wait. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Everybody. Yep. Yeah, okay. Are you taking investment? You know, right. how do I invest? Yes. So, so that's exactly what happens. And what uh, about your family? I mean, your family ha- has had this, you know, storied liquor history. Uh, what's What are their thoughts? Yeah, I mean, early on, I think that's one of the reasons we were able to put capital into here is we saw this happen before. Uh, in order to build a business like Jim Beam, um, I think I think some foresight was needed. And I think, again, we able we collectively were able to have a little bit of foresight and able to put together this business in 2014 and put ourselves in this kind of position. Um, so the industry is... You know, it, it, like every other new and nascent industry, attracts a mix of of characters. If you were to talk to somebody who's on the outside looking in, thinking, "God, I really want to get into the cannabis industry. I really, you know, this is my passion," or I'm looking to make a quick buck, what would you counsel somebody looking to get into the cannabis industry? Now that you've been doing this for five years, I mean, you 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 know, you're you're somebody who has a track record. What would you tell that that budding person who wants to get in? Yeah, I would say to somebody to figure out what it is that they want to do. Uh, try to do that pretty well. Stick to their knitting. And most important is who they partner with and who they go at it with, especially if they're putting in their own capital or their sweat equity, as you described. You know, stay true to your knitting on what you're doing and who you partner with is the most important thing you can do. Um, so can you talk, have you made any bad mistakes? And you don't have to name names, but tell us stories about, uh, you know, that mistake. Because most people learn best not from success, but from failure. <laughs> Every day. Uh, we're making mistakes <laughs> all the time. And what I often say is, let's just make the next mistake a little less costly than the one before. Um, so, so, so we made mistakes all over the place from, you know, how we learned the business in Illinois to how we allocated some of the capital um, to how much we grew to some of the branding, to some of the stores. But I would say overall, watching the cash and making sure we didn't tip over from those kinds of mistakes has been very beneficial. So yeah, quick, they, to be, oh. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Nope, go ahead, go ahead. Well, just to be tangible for you, one of the big mistakes in Illinois was the state guided to 75,000 patients were coming. And lo and behold, when the market started, there were only 3,000. So it looked like a big mistake to have built two 50,000 square foot buildings. Uh, but we're able to take that mistake and turn it into an opportunity, conserve the balance sheet and adjust. And today we're sitting in a very fortunate position with those assets, but we are making mistakes all the time. 
Do you think it's harder in an industry like cannabis because each state is its own little sovereign regulation kind of nightmare versus, you know, if you learn, if you're in like the consumer packaged goods space, it's a little bit different where as you're not dealing with so many little islands of, of different types of regulation, or is there, is there something analogous you can take from every state into your next state? Definitely. Uh, in that challenge lies our opportunity and how we're able to get very large market shares in these tightly regulated, you know, different states and different structures. Uh, over time, will move towards one system. Uh, and we are certainly able to leverage learnings from security to transportation to, you know, seed to sale software, tracking, testing, product, brand of things we've learned and mistakes we made in one state to improve and position ourselves with regulators and with patients and with consumers uh, to offer, you know, the ideal retail experience or the ideal product and other things. So is there been a moment over the last few years that you were like, on the precipice of failure and you, and, and it can, you know, I, again, I think that, that I love to hear about those gestalt moments or those pivot moments where you, you thought you were going to go left and something forced you to go right. And it made your life that much better. Hmm. Great question. The thing that occurs to me is it's kind of ironic, but in Illinois, so our goal was to do the best we could in the application process. So we had to optimize the win. And we over won. We won three of the 20 licenses they gave out. <laughs> and back to what I told you originally about the sleep quotient, that was the only night's sleep, really, among maybe one or two, that I didn't sleep well in this whole process. And that's ironic because that was a big win. But the problem was we didn't have the capital to do it. Uh, we had to make a big promise to the state. And like I said, there were 75,000 patients promised and 3,000 actual. And so the big moment was learning after a few restless nights sleep that the best move for us was to not take all three and to turn one back to the state and put us in a position and a capital and a balance sheet to really optimize, run the business well, be first to market, have the largest retail market share in the state and put the business in a good spot. But the lesson there, and I think to answer your question was what looked like an unbelievable good win and a great thing was actually a problem. And, and the pivot was uh, only doing what we could do and doing it well. And I think that you've seen that with GTI is doing what we say we're going to do and not biting off more than we could chew. And I think that's proven in our track record and what we have ahead for us. So now is the time for Puff Puff Pass, where we ask guests to tell us two things they love about the industry and one thing that drives them bonkers. Ben, go. Two things I love about the industry are the product and what it does for the people. So the benefits that we are providing to people with this product, we are extending life, we're making people feel better, we're providing an alternative to alcohol, and the product is improving the quality of life around the country. The other thing I love about the industry is the opportunity. This is a 50 to $100 billion industry coming to life in front of all of our eyes. This is an opportunity for everybody to seize and it's out there to grab. And that's super exciting. And I think the pass for me uh, is the competition. I think the misunderstanding here is that there is competition and that the true competition is actually the black market and the illegal trade. And that mm -hmm. if we all work together, we can legitimize, we can levitate and bring about this industry, you know, make, provide better benefits and more benefits to people and enable more opportunity. Wow. Uh, th that's that's awesome. Though I have to say, the the is there any uh, internal like tension between the alcohol side of you and the cannabis side of you? Because you know, 
you're you could be bastardizing the Jim Beam drinker and having them become a rise consumer. No, evolve or die. <laughs> I love that. Wow. Um, we want you back. Um, and I apologize for not being as funny as I normally am. Usually I'm, I'm funnier. I don't know. I'm just off That's my game today. not true, Ben. You, you got him at funny. That's it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so a special thanks to Ben Kovler, chairman and founder of Green Thumb Industries. To follow Ben on social media, you can reach him on Instagram um, at GTI Grows and at GTIGrows.com. Um, thanks for listening. Um, Ann and I really appreciate the time that you, our listeners, take. I um, mean, if you want to connect with us, you can reach us uh, via email at greenrush at kcsa.com or on Twitter and Instagram uh, at greenrushcoms. We would really love to hear from you. Also, if you're going to be in Los Angeles on April 9th, um, we will be at the Cowan uh, Investment Conference, um, and so will Ben. So if you have the opportunity to come and listen, um, any panel that Ben is on is uh, always well uh, well worth the time. Clearly, a special thanks to Nick Opich and Brasco, who's been eating his vitamins and saying his prayers every day. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.